Nehemiah 1, verse 11, New American Standard Bible. O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name, and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion. After we establish in our hearts that we belong to God and not ourselves, we then affirm our obligation to be servants of each other. Obliging ourselves to each other is how we obtain mercy from God for our wound. Matthew 5, verse 7, 2 Timothy 1, verses 15 through 18, and James 2, verse 13. When God heals us, our immediate response ought to be service to others as God gives us the opportunity. Matthew 8, verses 14 through 15 says, And when Yeshua was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto him. The servant spirit of Peter's mother-in-law reintroduces us to our need for a genuine understanding of the gospel. Before we came to Christ, we sought to serve and please ourselves due to our ignorance of God's love. Romans 6, verses 17 through 22, and 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Now that we are believers, called to exemplify God's love, we need to learn that seeking our own is not love. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. It is only by not seeking our own in verse 5 that we can perform the other deeds of love in verses 4 through 8. If we are not to seek our own anything in this Christian life, then what are we to seek? First, we seek closeness to the Lord. First Chronicles 16 verse 11 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. The face of God is our Lord Yeshua the Christ. John 14, verses 8 through 11. Therefore, every day and in every way, we are to seek how we can become more Christ-like in our hearts. Paul gives us our second object of pursuit in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 24, where he writes, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. We are to always be pondering how we can satisfy the spiritual and material needs of our brothers in Christ. Selfless consideration of others is true greatness in the church. As Christ said in Mark 9, verse 35, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. With this mindset, we can rest assured that all our needs will be met because we are seeking first the kingdom of God, the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit of Christ. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 33 and Romans 14, verses 16 through 17. Having this attitude before we experience healing prevents us from becoming proud after we are healed. Pride will always reopen the wound. 
As a person who takes medication to keep their cancer in remission initiates its recurrence if they stop, so also does a prideful person whose spirit is healing. Should they ever become proud, God will withdraw his healing grace from them. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. James 4, verse 6. The pride of recovery is precisely the mistake King Hezekiah made in Isaiah 38, verses 1 through 5, and 2 Chronicles 32, verse 25. We read, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die, and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, and prayed unto the Lord, and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go, and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Unlike Hezekiah in this instance, God's mercy should not only inspire us to serve others, but also to fear him. The same God of mercy is also a God of wrath for those who do not learn the lesson. Psalm 85, verses 6-9 through nine says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord shall speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 8 verse 13. It is to hate everything I know the scripture says is evil, and everything I am learning the scripture says is evil. All evil behavior is sin. 1 John 5 verse 17. And sinful behavior is not defined by our imaginations. The scriptures provide four straightforward definitions of sin in James 4, verse 17, 1 John 3, verse 4, Romans 3, verses 22 through 23, and 14, 21 through 23. The first definition we will review is James 4, verse 13, which states, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Knowing what is right concerning anything, and not doing it, is one definition of sin. This understanding of sin is close to the definition offered in Romans 14, verses 21-23, through 23, God's Word Bible, where the Apostle Paul states, The right thing to do is to avoid eating meat, drinking wine, or doing anything else that causes another Christian to have doubts. So whatever you believe about these things, keep it between yourself and God. The person who does what he knows is right shouldn't feel guilty. He is blessed. But if a person has doubts and still eats, he is condemned because he didn't act in faith. Anything that is not done in faith is sin. In other words, 
Acting without certainty that what I am doing is good or evil is sin. If we are unsure as to whether an act is good or evil, meaning that on the surface it appears the act could be evil, we should abstain, because 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 22 commands us to abstain from all appearance of evil. Before we act, if we are confident that we are doing the right thing, though in God's eyes the act is evil, He will prevent us from committing the sin because we acted from a clear conscience. Genesis 20 verses 1 through 17. The third definition we will review is given in 1 John 3 verse 4 which says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Transgression is behavior that is ungoverned by the commands of God, either through ignorance of His commands or deliberate rebellion against them. The last definition of sin we will address is in Romans 3, verse 23, where Paul writes, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He describes sin as coming short of the glory of God. The concept of God's glory deserves particular attention because many Christians do not understand its meaning. Whenever we think of God's glory, we tend to imagine His power and majesty or envision Him sitting on His heavenly throne. But what exactly is the glory of God? It is the life of Christ. John 1 verse 1 and verse 14 says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Sin, therefore, is anything unchristlike, that is, anything that falls beneath the standard of Christ's thinking, behavior, and speech. How do we learn what is Christlike and what is not? We study the scriptures, and while the entire Bible testifies to the life and glory of Christ, John 5, verse 39, and Hebrews 10, verses 5 through 7, we learn the ways of Christ directly from reading the four Gospels. Overall, sin is any thought, behavior, or speech that is unchristlike, separating us from God, our healer. As Isaiah 59, verse 2 states, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Therefore, we resolve that for our wounded spirits to heal, we must make it our sole ambition in life to obtain the mind of Christ. We must strive daily to be imitators of Christ in every way. Ephesians 5 verse 1. John considers this determination to achieve Christ-likeness to be the measuring rod of our salvation when he writes in 1 John 2, verses 5-6, through 6, New International Version, If anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Yeshua did.